Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Chinese Church in Christ, South Valley. It's good to see you all today. Um, I'm really grateful to see some friends who I grew up in this church with that have come back to visit today from our youth group years and even adult years. Um, it's just good to good to see some familiar faces, and it increases the likelihood that the first sermon illustration I'm gonna like use will be understood from like 2% to like 5%, because I don't think anyone's gonna know what I'm talking about. Um, but my favorite TV show of all time, it's a show called The West Wing. And, oh yes, yeah, see, I was right about those percentages. <laughs> it went up like 3% just there. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, which is everyone else in the room, um, it was a political drama show in the late 90s and early 2000s. And uh, it was a show where you got to see kind of the inner workings of the White House and um, how, uh, just how our political system works. And it came as we had a, like a, a multi-term Republican president, George W. Bush, and it was a look into how politics worked from kind of an alternate reality, because it, uh, um, it was on NBC and it was written as if there was a Democratic president in office. Um, and so it kind of showed what it would be like with the opposite political party in power. Um, in one of the episodes, there was a proposal to, um, for a congressional fund to start to take place to do a study on remote prayer within like hospitals when people were sick. That was a balloon popping, don't worry. And, um, and so there was a doctor and a, from a prestigious school who was coming in claiming that um, so there was a greater success rate in someone in the hospital being healed if someone actually prayed for them versus not, and they wanted to do a study on it. Now, the whole reason why they put this, uh, wrote this into the episode was to talk about the kind of the firm line between separation of church and state that we have in our country. Um, but it was really interesting from a liberal TV show to see that prayer uh, would play a role in people, uh, how people might be healed within a hospital. And it shows that perhaps people in a health crisis can be more open to the idea of prayer and that there might be a God who hears these prayers. I got to uh, experience kind of what this might look like practically a little bit when my grandpa had a heart attack and was in the hospital. And uh, this was about 15 years ago. Um, he, I, he passed away five years ago. I miss him uh, greatly. But uh, after his heart attack, he made a full recovery and lived another 10 years. Um, but he was the one person on my dad's immediate side of the family that we could never get to go to church with us. And uh, when we would talk about God out of a desire for him to be, uh, out of a desire from us for wanting him to be saved, he would always be quick to shut us down. And I had witnessed this in many uh, kind of family situations. I would see my dad try to talk to him about God and share the gospel with him and just see no response. And so uh, even though I ended up living with him for several years during seminary, I became scared to uh, just talk to him about God or ask if I could pray for him in any way because I knew it was something he was very much opposed to um, until he had his heart attack. And I remember visiting him as he was recovering from his surgery in the hospital. And I asked him, I said, Grandpa, can I pray for you? And it was the first time that he actually would uh, kind of soften his heart and actually agree to have someone pray for him in that moment. 
And the reason I share all this is to say that I think the word prayer can be a loaded word, but it's meant to have a lot of power for us. And for, uh, yet for us as followers of Jesus, we know it's an important part of our lives and a part that even those who don't know Jesus might have some kind of reaction to. We've been doing a series in, uh, based on our 2022 church theme, which is called Do Not Be Anxious About Anything. And when our church elders got together and prayed for God's leading for a theme for this year, I continue to be thankful that this is where God directed them. And the theme is based on Philippians 4, 6, which has the exact words of our theme, do not be anxious about anything. And if you haven't been with us, these are some of the things we've seen in our series so far. Um, we saw how the, that passage, Philippians 4, 6, it encourages us to bring our requests to God, not because he plans to grant all of our requests, but that when we lay them at his feet, it shows us how he might be with us in the process of whatever these requests that we have, whatever we're going through, so that we might be able to experience his presence, regardless of whether it's in his will to answer our prayers with a yes or not. And we've also seen that in the verses that follow in Philippians 4, 8, and 9, that our thoughts matter, that what we fill our minds with has a, a, a huge impact in why we might experience anxiety if we're always thinking about what we're worried about or something might go wrong, or whatever it might be, the Apostle Paul encourages the Philippian brothers to think thoughts that are true, honorable, pure, lovely, um, just to name a few, and how that helps our minds, uh, fill our minds with thoughts that connect us to God, rather than only filling our minds with thoughts that uh, can bring anxiety. And then we've also seen how Paul was preparing Timothy to experience the godlessness and the brokenness that is in our world and how we can cling to God's word to understand uh, how he might be strengthening us in the midst of it, even when difficulties come. And finally, last week, we saw the importance of rejoicing from Philippians 4.4, a precursor to the verse that our theme verse comes from, um, that shows us that our lives can be marked by a constant joy, joy that comes from us being saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And these are all very good reminders for us to think about how we might not be anxious and how we might live out our theme um, that we have for this year. But this morning, we want to look at one more that I think is very, one more idea that I think is very important for our theme of not being anxious, and that's the importance of prayer. And so our main passage for this morning is very short. Uh, in the ESV, it is three words, and it comes from 1 Thessalonians 5.17, and it's simply this, pray without ceasing. That's our main passage for today. Simple enough, right? Pray without ceasing. Let's go pray and not stop. Now we understand the passage. All right, we're done. That's it. Shortest service ever, guys. That's what it says. It's very simple, right? Okay, obviously I'm kidding. We have another, you know, a whole three points to go on this. But um, this passage is uh, very well known. It's um, in our youth group. We've uh, we've learned quickly that the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept, right? It's been the answer to many youth group trivia questions. If you were reading the NIV, this verse is two words as well. So we might need to adapt some of our youth group sporkle Bible trivia stuff um, to show that there is another two-word verse in the Bible. Um, the NIV says, pray continually, which is the same idea as praying without ceasing, right? And so 
But here's the thing about, for all the times that we've quoted John 11:35 because we know it's the shortest verse in the Bible, when it says that Jesus wept, there's so much more that goes into those two words that actually explains what's happening in the passage, where we see that this is the time where Lazarus had died and Jesus was going to raise him from the dead. And you get to see the deep love that Jesus has for Lazarus in the scope of the context of the passage. And so if our main verse for today is only two verses or, or two words or three words, pray continually or pray without ceasing, we want to look to the surrounding context to help us understand what the Apostle Paul is saying in this passage and how that might actually help us live out our theme for this year, not to be anxious. And so the context for the Thessalonian church that was going on, um, I think actually is very important for us today, particularly with what we might be anxious for as we watch the news, as we see uh, just what is going on in our world. And so for the Thessalonian church, this encouragement from Paul to pray without ceasing, it would have come in the face of great anxiety for them. The Thessalonian church began with great momentum as Paul and Silas went as missionaries to Thessalonica, and many people put their faith in Jesus in a short period of time. And so there was a quick and powerful growth in the Thessalonian church, but their newfound belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, um, it was something that was used against them by people around them who wanted uh, to oppose the church. Um, and they were accused of changing their allegiance from Caesar because it was ruled by, uh, by Roman rule at this time. And it led to intense persecution for the church there. And it forced Paul and Silas to leave, even though they wanted to stay there and see the church continue to grow. And that's why the letters to the Thessalonians were written, um, so that the brothers and sisters could be encouraged to persevere in their faith as Paul uh, was in a different location. Now, we may not be facing the exact persecution that the people Paul was writing to were facing at that time, but I think we all do know what it's like to experience great anxiety, whether it be the news from what's going on in Ukraine or any of the personal anxieties that we've faced um, throughout the duration of, of the pandemic. And that's where I think similarly to the Thessalonians, I think we can find great wisdom in this short but important encouragement to pray without ceasing. And so if it's so much more than just those three words because of the surrounding circumstances that the Thessalonian church was experiencing at this time, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at the, th the verses bookending um, this famous verse about prayer. Um, it's not that many more words, but it helps give us some insight into why the idea of praying without ceasing, praying continually, can help us not be anxious right now in 2022 when that may seem impossible not to be anxious about anything. And so um, here's the three things that we're going to look at in the surrounding verses. Um, actually, no, let's read them first. So let's start in verse 16 and read, uh, read a couple verses. And Paul says this. He says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so knowing the, that the surrounding verses help us see uh, what Paul means when he talks about praying without ceasing, we're going to see these three things from the passage this morning. Um, first, we want to understand what it means to pray knowing that our prayers are heard. 
then we're going to see, uh, just as the sim simplicity of the verse suggests, that we want to pray as much as we can, just a different way of saying, um, pray without ceasing. And finally, we want to see what it means to pray with a thankful heart. And we will see all three of these things, I think, in, these, uh, the, in this one small verse about prayer, but in the surrounding verses as well. So first, what does it mean to pray knowing that our prayers are heard? If you think about it, knowing that our prayers matter to God is really an incredibly important part of prayer. If we don't think that our prayers are heard or that there's a God who's actually listening to what we pray or that God cares, then perhaps we might view prayer as just empty words that are floating off into the universe and hoping that God might hear them and might actually be interested in them. But if we know who we are praying to and we believe that God hears our prayers and wants to answer them, perhaps that might change our prayer lives. And we can live it out, what it means to pray without ceasing. And so in what we would, and I, in what I think we should call probably the most famous teaching on prayer, um, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew, we see this idea as Jesus is teaching what we have come to know of as the Lord's Prayer. And if you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, it starts with these, it starts with these words. And as Jesus is instructing the disciples and the crowds who are hearing the Sermon on the Mount about prayer, he says, Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, Daniel and I have preached on this verse many times, and um, even though we have, it's no less important that we understand what this means this morning. When we pray, we always start our prayers with some form of this, right? Father God, dear Heavenly Father, dear God, something like that. And before we think about just what it looks like to pray without ceasing, we want to pause and think about who we're talking to and the implications of that. When we say, dear Heavenly Father, we've talked about this many times in sermons before, but we'll say it again this morning. Do we recognize that we are addressing the God of the universe, the one who created this whole world, and wanting him to hear whatever our requests are going to be? That's a really powerful statement. And if the God of this universe, the one who created this world, might actually hear our prayers and might have the power to listen to what we are requesting, I think that makes prayer so much more powerful and also personal at the same time. That we might have the audacity to ask God uh, to hear our individualized or personalized requests as we bring them to him in prayer. And we want to know, why can we do that? And we see that in the first part of our passage before he encourages the Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. In verse 16 of chapter 5, Paul says the same thing that we saw in Philippians last week, to rejoice always. Those are the, that's the words preceding this encouragement to pray without ceasing. And in the original language that Paul was writing this, um, it is the same exact word for rejoice that we saw in our message last week in Philippians 4. The letter of Thessalonians was written roughly 10 to 12 years before Philippians, and we've been in Philippians for the last month or so, but Paul is using the exact same word for rejoice. And last week, we saw that there was a definition for us to best understand how Paul would have used the word rejoice. 
We talked about the things we find joy in, how many times it's a nice meal that we've eaten or something that we've posted on Instagram or our life circumstances going well. But Paul's definition for how he would have used the word rejoice uh, really is along these lines. To be favorably exposed to God's grace. And so when he's saying rejoicing always, he's not saying rejoice in something that makes you happy, something of this world or some hobby or, or some good news or whatever it might be. He is saying we are rejoicing in the grace of God. And that's what he is encouraging the brothers and sisters um, to, to do always, to rejoice always. It is so much more specific than just saying find a joy in and fill in the blank, but that it's actually connected to our salvation and the fact that we've experienced God's grace. And this shows us that prayer is, on the one hand, it's nothing without God's ability to answer, because if God can't answer, then we should ask ourselves, what are we praying for? But then when we can see that there is this call to rejoice, it comes from the fact that we can have a relationship with God. And if we don't know that he can answer, then maybe we're just hoping for what we want and God can become a very impersonal Santa Claus where we're hoping he'll just give us our requests. Um, but if he is powerful enough to grant our requests, then we should ask, why would he answer? Why would he want to? And that's because his grace teaches us that he loves us so much that he wanted to be with us, to walk with us, to experience life with us. And that's why Jesus came to this earth. And so in this simple phrase, when Paul is saying rejoice always, we might think of that simply finding joy in something. But in Paul's context, he would be saying, remember your relationship with God. Remember the relationship that you have with grace. And if you've been saved by grace, then that is why prayer can actually mean so much in our lives, because it's enabled us to have this relationship with God. And so in this simple phrase, rejoice always, we might not see it just reading it in English, but Paul is showing us the gospel of Jesus Christ, that true rejoicing, not just in the things of this world, but true rejoicing is to be favorably exposed to the grace of God. That was our definition for the word rejoice last week. And that is why Jesus came to this earth and showing us that we can have this hope because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, all because of his incredible love for us. And that is the gospel that in our sin, and we had no way of knowing the true and living God, but in his grace, he sent Jesus to this earth so that we can know what grace and salvation is really about. And without the power of truth and grace, honestly, prayer doesn't matter. Like if God hasn't saved us, if he's not powerful enough to save us, and if he's not personal with us, then we should ask ourselves, what use does prayer have? It's just empty words floating off into the universe. But when Paul says rejoice always, before he encourages the Thessalonians to pray without ceasing, he is trying to help them understand this is why it is so worthwhile to pray without ceasing. When we know that God is both powerful, the God of the universe, the Father up in heaven, as Matthew showed us in the Lord's Prayer, but that he's also personal, that his love came to this earth through the person of his Son so that we might be able to know him, then we can see why our prayers would matter to God and hopefully why they matter to us as well. And so I think that's truly what it means when Paul encourages the Thessalonian brothers and sisters to rejoice always. And so in this encouragement to pray without ceasing, that's the first thing that we see. To rejoice is to remember God's love for us. 
And last week, we talked about the difference between rejoicing in things of this world that are temporary, that at some point will go away or let us down, and rejoicing in the hope that we have of knowing the one and true Savior. And so to rejoice is to remember God's love for us and that because of his love for us, we can believe that he hears our prayers and wants to answer them. Now, if that's the case, then we should ask ourselves, well, then how much should we pray? And that's where this famous verse gives us a great answer. If God is the God of the universe and we can know him personally because of his grace, then verse 17 has so much instructive power for us. And that leads us to our second point in this passage for this morning which is basically a restatement of these famous words, pray without ceasing. And we want to see what it means to pray as much as we can. And so if God is the God of the universe, but the God who came to this world so that we also might know him, then we can lift up our prayers to him. And hopefully that would, we would think if the God of this universe sent his son to this world so that we might know him, then we can pray as much as we possibly can because of his power, but also because of how personal it can be for our lives, that we can believe that he's with us. Now, in, in focusing on this section, or this one verse, as our main verse, we have to just take a moment and have at least one point of the sermon dedicated to thinking about what does it mean to pray without ceasing, or pray in all circumstances, or pray continually. And so, really, I just wanted us to think about a couple of practical uh, suggestions that we might be able to think about for how we might be able to pray continually in our lives and how that might be able to help us. And so, there's just a couple suggestions I wanted to share with us this morning for what it could look like for us to pray continually, um, knowing kind of all of the context and all of the backstory to what was going on for the, at the church in Thessalonica. And so... Um, these are not the only three ways that I think we can and should pray. These are just some suggestions, but hopefully it's a start that might help us actually get to living this out. And so I think three ways that we can think about praying as much as we can. First, we can pray in moments of distress. Now, I think this one kind of takes care of itself because uh, like I was sharing, when my grandpa had his heart attack, it was the first time that he actually was open to someone praying for him. Someone who had a really hardened heart um, towards God or the idea of a God or the idea of prayer, in that moment when his health was on the line, it kind of changed the way that he thought about his willingness to be able to receive prayer. And so in those moments, I think we're, I think we're actually pretty good at number one. I think we're actually pretty good at praying in moments of distress because we might think, oh my gosh, like God, how are you going to help me if I'm having this particular crisis in my life? Now, if we're not doing this, I think that just adds to our anxiety because we can feel overwhelmed by thinking, how can I take care of whatever distressing circumstance is going on in my life? How can I fix it? And the sooner we come to terms with the idea that as humans, we don't always have the answers to everything in our lives, to all the broken situations that can come up relationally, to uh, somehow not getting the grade that we want or getting into the school that we want or not getting the job that we want. We, without crying out to God in those moments of distress, we might think it's all up to me and I have no answers. And that just builds more and more anxiety in our lives. But the good news is that if God is who, he, who we say he is and who his word says he is, then he is the father up in heaven who hears our requests and listens and in his timing will show us uh, how he will be answering our requests. And so that's, 
I, I think many times we're pretty good at praying in moments of distress because we have no other answers. And if we're not, I would highly encourage you to think of that as an option. In the moment where you might be stressed out in the middle of a test thinking, I didn't study for this content, how am I gonna be able to pass this? Or when there are just, or when there's a work deadline where we think there's no way I'm actually gonna meet this, how, how can I possibly do this? Do you know that the God of the universe wants to be there in that with you? That's what it looks like not to be anxious in those moments. And that's something that we've talked about over the past couple weeks. And so that's the first thing. That is one way where we can pray continually. When, and we've, we saw this in, first to, in 2 Timothy 3, it's a when, not if thing, that we will experience the, broken, the brokenness and the difficulties of our world, that we can bring our request before God in moments of distress. I also want to say we can encourage ourselves to pray in familiar ways. There might be ways that are built into our lives um, where there's prayer, probably before each of our meals, um, or maybe when we come to church and we actually hear whoever's leading music pray, or when we show up uh, for Bible study and there's a short prayer there. But there's probably ways that are built, or possibilities that are built into our lives where we are going to be able to experience the power of prayer. And so in a message that says, pray without ceasing, I have no problem this morning giving a completely shameless plug for our 10 a.m. prayer meeting, inviting you guys to come and pray with us on Sunday mornings, all right? Now, generally, it's the same six or seven of us, and I can assure you, if you've never been there, everyone there is really nice, and they'll pray for you, and you don't have to be scared of anyone there, and we have a good time sharing about our lives and praying about things. But it was really, it was really, really cool last week when we had two visitors join us out of nowhere. And it was a mom whose son was here from New York, and she lives in the neighborhood, and they attended the Mandarin service, but they wanted to come to the prayer meeting. And their English, uh, especially for the son, you know, he's grown up here, and so their English was good enough to join us for the prayer meeting. And it was just such an incredible blessing that we could get to meet them, though we had never met them before, and hear the prayer requests that the mom had, and pray for them as a family, and I could see that there was so much meaning for them leaving that small room with the curtains closed after we prayed, walking over to worship God in the Mandarin service at 11 a.m. And the reason for that was um, for the son who works in Manhattan, he was home visiting for the, the long holiday weekend. And his mom was sharing that it's really hard for her seeing him go back to New York and living on his own, especially when there's been uh, a lot of, um, they're, they're a Chinese family, um, especially when there's been so many Asian hate crimes around our world, particularly in big cities. And she was sharing for herself, as a mom, it's really kind of stressful for her, um, knowing that her son is traveling back to New York, living by himself, taking the subway in a time where oftentimes he's by himself. And when you hear reports of people being attacked at random, um, just for your ethnicity, as a mom, that was incredibly disturbing for her. And so seeing him for a couple of days and being able to, to just see his face and spend time with him and then thinking he's going back to New York had brought a lot of anxiety for her, thinking that that night he was gonna be getting on a flight again. And it was such a blessing to be able to pray with them that morning. And to see, like, you could hear in her voice the thankfulness after we were done with the prayer meeting. And that was just something I did not expect it to happen. I mean, for those of you who attend the prayer meeting, we know each other's 
faces very well. We even know each other's prayer requests really well um, by now. And so, um, but it was such a blessing to have two new people come and join us. And so I want to use this time, as God's word is saying, pray without ceasing. I want to invite you to join us if there are if there are ways you want to pray with us on Sunday morning. And I've realized for myself that when we do this, it just really kind of fixes my mind so much more on like what God is doing in that moment rather than being frantic and nervous about what I have prepared to speak on that day or all of the different things that are going on in the life of the church that can often cause anxiety in me to spend those 45 minutes or so praying together has just been such a wonderful, I think, time for those of us who have been there. And so I want to invite you to come join us for that. Um, Because last week, week, even though it was out of the ordinary, on all the other weeks, I can see the ways where our prayers, in hindsight, have actually been a tremendous um, blessing, where I can look back and say, wow, I had asked for prayer for certain things uh, for so long, and then looking back and seeing how God answers. Um, it's actually, I might not think that there's that much power in it in the moment, um, but to see how God answers and how we can walk through that together is such a powerful thing. So I encourage you, find the familiar ways, whether it's built into whatever um, church gatherings you're attending where there's prayer, don't take that time for granted and just really see how that might be able to encourage you. And finally, um, maybe another suggestion for what it might look like to pray as much as we can is in unfamiliar ways as well. And this has long been an encouragement for me in, uh, in youth group when we've been talking about prayer. You guys have heard me talk about this before. But for us to start to believe that we have a true and living relationship with God, what that looks like Monday through Friday going to school, we have talked about the idea of what does it mean to pray to God during passing period. It's like six minutes, right? Five minutes. Five, six minutes. Is that right? Any nods? They, they have no idea. Okay. How long is passing period? Five minutes? Six minutes? Seven minutes? Okay. I'm seeing some nods now. All right. And so that's a short period of time, but I remember being in high school and walking from one class and being uh, just super anxious about the homework that I hadn't done or hadn't fully completed or the test I was about to take. And I'm not saying that praying to God in that short amount of time is going to prepare you any better um, for that test you're going to take, other than to say this. If you know that the God of the universe is with you as you go in and take that test, I think that totally changes at least our mindset. It might put us at more ease and to know uh, just that, that he might want to be with us. And that's, that shows us that prayer, praying without ceasing, is not just going to a youth group meeting or a Wednesday night vertigo Bible study where we might pray and then we forget about our relationship with, with God in every moment in between. And the amazing thing is that Learning that God wants to be with us in the moment by moment, a day to day, I believe we'll experience so much more blessing from praying in unfamiliar ways. Um, there is a famous football player. His name is Troy Polamalu. He's retired now. Um, if you have no idea who he is, he was the one with the super long flowing hair out of his helmet. He was famous for being once tackled by his hair. It looked really painful. And he got up like it was nothing. But More than, even though he has a pretty good head and shoulders uh, endorsement deal um, because they thought that would be great to take advantage of, like the long flowing hair to to do a shampoo commercial, Troy Palomalu within football was actually famous for something so much more than just his hair. He was known as the player that people could hear him pray 
after every play on the football field. Now, I don't know if that's just like some story that people like to tell, but I've heard it from enough like sources reading like, you know, articles about him or hearing other players talk about him in interviews where either it was all some big like, you know, charade or something, but the more people talk about him, you see how genuine he was in his faith. And I've never thought of that. I've played a lot of sports in my life and I've even shared with some of you recently, I wanted to ask for your prayers that I would experience God with me as I'm coaching basketball and what it is like to be in the gym with God in that moment rather than thinking I'm doing this on my own and my relationship with God can resume when I get to church that night for Vertigo Bible study or something. But what would it actually look like to experience God's presence with me in everything that I'm doing? And Troy Palomalu, flowing hair and all, was famous for living out his relationship with God on the football field. Never not praying. <laughs> Never not praying. He was living out what it means to pray without ceasing. And so really, hopefully, this is a challenge for us to think, what are times or moments in our lives? Now, practically, I understand there are moments where we're in class or we're at work and we're focused on something else. And it's not like we're going to be praying every moment. So for Troy Palomalu, for example, he would pray. And then after the, play, after the prayer on the play, this is getting very confusing with the wording, but then he would go and try to tackle someone as hard as he possibly could. He was famous for being one of the hardest hitters, if you remember how he played. But then... After that, play, after that play, then there would be another prayer, and then rinse and repeat. And so it's no surprise to me that people would view him as someone who takes his faith very seriously, because he was known as the one who was constantly praying throughout the football game, throughout the three and a half hours or however long it would be. I think that's such an incredible example of what it looks like to pray in unfamiliar ways, and that's something that we can start to think about for our own lives. What does it look like to pray in unfamiliar ways, moment by moment. And I think what we will find when we do that is we will see God is not just with me when I'm with other brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, but God is with me always. And I can experience his presence and relationship with him in way more ways than I have before. Now, none of that would be possible without what Paul was saying first, that you rejoice in your salvation because God has made a way for us to know him. And if that's good news, then why would we ever want to stop praying or want to stop experiencing his presence? Um, I say this not as a, like, not to uh, just have it be a subtle flex or anything, but I do think um, compared to a lot of people, I probably pray more just because of the function of my job. But as I was reading this, I would see that this encourages me, wow, there's a lot of times where I spend time praying with brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, and it makes me realize when I'm not doing that, I don't pray nearly enough. And I remember hearing a pastor come and share with us at the church I attended when I was in seminary, and he said, every day when I wake up, I pray for my congregation for 30 minutes. I don't want any of you to have the idea that you think that I do that. I'm sorry, I don't. I pray for you an awful lot. If you have prayer requests, I'm happy to pray for you. But like to see his motivation to wake up every day and pray for his congregation 30 minutes a day is now a good idea that I would actually like to try to put into practice. And I say that just to say, if there's prayer requests, I'm always willing to hear them. I always want to pray for you. But when he shared that with us, that he prays for his congregation every morning, 30 minutes a day, he told us, he said, it's not enough. And I was like, wow, 
Like that's something that I know in that moment I'm not even doing. It's something I would want to aspire to do. But it kind of just, I think, helps us understand what it looks like to have this ongoing moment-by-moment relationship with God where we are communicating with him all the time. And it seems like Troy Palomalu really figured out what that looked like as he would pray moment by moment throughout the course of a three-hour football game. And so finally, one final thing that we want to see in this passage, as we recognize the power of prayer, and as we try to commit ourselves to the idea of what it looks like to pray as much as we can, is that we can do so with thanksgiving. And that brings us to the final part of the passage that we see this morning, where, uh, where Paul encourages the Thessalonians to have a thankful heart. And we see this in verse 18. After he says, pray without ceasing, he says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. At the start of our series, our elders, they, they worked hard on the wording of our theme. It started off as do not be anxious, and then there was some English and Chinese to kind of work out how it might work for both, both congregations, and they settled on the wording, do not be anxious about anything. And while I think that's an incredible theme and I'm so thankful that it is, that's very hard to say, don't be anxious about anything. And we've talked about that when we introduced the series. And in the same way, Paul here, he says, give thanks in all circumstances. And that is not an easy thing to do. I'm sure that is especially not easy to do this week. Um, I remember being in second grade when uh, I first uh, watched the news when um, Iraq had invaded Kuwait and the Persian Gulf War had started. And that was probably, at least in terms of like, you know, what you would see as like called war, even though there's all kinds of other elements of war that have happened in between then. This week was kind of the most similar to that for me, thinking, okay, all of a sudden there's news of an explicit war that's taking place in our world. And Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. And I spent most of Thursday, um, I spent most of Thursday morning watching the news and seeing what was going on and finding myself growing with anxiety. I wanted to kind of understand what's going on. It's so hard to, to understand, um, you know, uh, credibility of news sources, credibility of photos and videos that are being shared on the internet um, because of all the different sources they can come from. And so uh, it just... I could feel the anxiety building in me as I wanted to see what is really going on in our world. How can I pray for it this morning? And how can I just make some sense of what's going on, seeing that this is a very different day, a day that reminded me of that time back in 1991, where I saw just, uh, you know, when you see tanks and military figures on TV, it can be very disconcerting and something that we're not used to seeing. And so, Seeing this verse, thinking about this verse, give thanks in all circumstances, even in a time like this. And that night, I was so thankful that we had our once a month Vertigo Leaders meeting where um, at least for a majority of the time, we're spending time sharing about our lives and praying for each other. And, um, and I was really thankful that night to be able to pray with my brothers and sisters and that we, as we together could just be able to pray for what's going on in our world, even if we didn't fully understand it. And I've shared this in sermons before, but I'm always really thankful that I get to spend time with Greg in prayer. Because when Greg was sharing, uh, when Greg, I always put him on the spot and I always make him pray first and he's used to it by now. But as we were thinking about the kind of the concern that we were seeing with everything that was going on in, in the news, 
He said what he often says in prayer, where he said, Father God, we thank you that we can depend on you and look to you, God, in times like these. And I've heard him pray that many times throughout the time I've known Greg. But on that night, it just felt extra comforting to see, even in a time that's very concerning, one of our church elders could set such a great example for me in showing that we still have a God to be thankful for, no matter what's going on in our world, no matter what's going on in the news. And that we can see, that we can th- be thankful that um, God has made a way for us to know him, as we talked about earlier, and that he will not stop being God. And at the very least, we can be thankful for that. And those were words that I needed to hear on that night. And it was a tremendous example to me of what it looks like to give thanks in all circumstances, to give thanks that God truly is God and that we can trust him, even when everything in the world is falling apart. And so this morning, to finish our time in thinking about what it means to pray without ceasing, I wanted to give us a chance to put this into practice right now, where I could lead us in a time in prayer where we might be able to pray for the things that are on our minds and on our hearts, and we can lift them up to him and take a moment to bring these requests before him. And so go ahead and bow your heads with me. And I want to lead us through just a quick time of prayer where we might be able to bring our requests before him and where we might be able to practice what it looks like to pray without ceasing. And so before we bring any requests before him, just as we saw from Jesus' teaching on prayer, take a moment and just address God. Maybe in the same way that we usually do. Dear God, Heavenly Father, Father God. And in, that, in the instruction, Jesus says, how would be your name? It's remembering who God is first. And so take a moment And thank God for being who he is, remembering who he is. And let's remind ourselves that he has made a way for us to know him. And let's take a moment and be thankful for the cross for Jesus' death, for his resurrection, and for his Holy Spirit that is in us the moment we believe and that this has made a way for us to know him. And I'm sure there are also so many things on our mind that make it very hard for us not to be anxious. Can we bring those before our Heavenly Father right now? And just honestly say, God, I am anxious about, can even fill in that blank. And say, God, I trust you with where you're leading but here's what I want you to see that I'm struggling with. Can you be with me during this time of anxiety that I'm feeling? Or if there's a request that you have for someone else who you know that might be struggling greatly during this time, can you lift that up to him? 
and trust him with that. And then finally, can we take a moment to thank God? The more that we are in the, we make it a normal process in our lives to be thankful to him and to vocalize that for him. I believe it's going to help us see how he is with us in our anxieties. And that being thankful to him is one of the best things that we can do to be able to experience his peace. What can we thank God for this morning? Whether it be his provision or even just the trust that we can have in him, even in a very um, just broken and difficult uh circumstances that we see our world in. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for the simple yet super important encouragement to pray without ceasing. God, we know it's only possible to do so because of how much you loved us. And that you sent your son into this world to live the perfect life that none of us could live, to die for our sins, though we should have to pay the penalty for our shortcomings, so that we might be just able to know and, and see what it means to be loved, to experience grace, to experience salvation. God, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you would be showing us what it means to call on your name, to pray to you, to lift up our request to you in our moments of distress, also in our moments of peace, that we would appreciate the times of prayer that we have with other family members or with brothers and sisters in our lives, but God, that you would also lead us in experiencing what it looks like to pray in new and unfamiliar ways, and that that would be a way where we can experience what it means to pray without ceasing. And God, we thank you. We thank you for this time where we could just have our minds and thoughts fixed upon what it might look like to pray in all kinds of different ways and see how you are with us moment by moment. God, we thank you for the blessing of the body of Christ that in the moments where when we can't walk through whatever we're going through on our own, that not only are you with us, but you've provided brothers and sisters to be there for us, for us to share with, to pray for us when we don't have the words of prayer ourselves. God, we thank you for your word, that there is so much wisdom that when our world is falling apart, we can see that it isn't anything you haven't warned us about, but God, that we can see how you are growing us and changing us and using it as a way to grow our faith. And so, God, we just pray that as we sing this last song to you this morning, God, that we would just be thankful for the way that we have to know you through the death and the resurrection of your son, Jesus. But, God, that it would also encourage us to really see what it looks like to pray without ceasing in our lives, moment by moment. And I pray, God, that as we sing to you this morning, that you would be encouraging our hearts and filling us with this truth that you are with us in all things. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.